Proverbs, we're going to be finishing up the first chapter. So we're actually starting in verse 20 today, and we're going to be taking it through to the end of chapter 1, uh, which is through verse 33. So we've been talking about the book of Proverbs and, and the purpose of it and all of the, the gems of wisdom that we have in this book. And, and, and this is a book that is saying to us, hey, don't, don't learn the hard way. You don't have to live and learn. You can learn and then live. God is trying to give us his wisdom. If only we would receive it. If only we would receive this instruction, we could learn and then live and not have to learn so many things the hard way, but rather the easier, less expensive way of just prayerful concentration through the word of God. So he's presenting us wisdom on a silver platter here. And, and, and we have to prayerfully read through it and consider it. And so right out of the gate, I think we're meant to see how meaningful this book of the Bible is. We're, we're meant to see how meaningful it is in that it's in the context of a father transferring his wisdom to his son. Like what a, what a powerful, powerful moment when we have those heart-to-heart -heart talks with our children, right? And so uh, there's going to be a lot of people in this world that are going to try to drop some wisdom on you, right? All kinds of people are going to be telling you how the world works. But not every one of those people really knows how the world works. Not every one of those people uh, really has your best interest in mind. But when someone in your family sits down and tries to transfer some wisdom to you, you should be especially attentive to that because they care for you, right? When, when people in your family try to give you advice, I know it's when you're a teenager, it's just kind of like, ah, my parents think they know everything. Right? But, but it's in your best interest. They want what's best for you more than you want what's best for you. You know, I, but any time someone in your family tries to lay some wisdom down, it's worth, it's worth your while. I remember a moment which, in which my Papaw Parman dropped some wisdom on me. He, anytime I spend time with my Papaw Parman, he's like, he's like 97, World War II vet. He's like the classiest guy on the face of the planet. Love Papaw. He's visited the journey. Last time he was here, we were actually at the theater. So it's been a while. But Papaw, he, he's, he's like, like you talk about sayings. He has a saying for everything, but he's ready for, uh, he's ready to drop some wisdom on you. I remember one Christmas in particular when, when the boys were really, really small, you know, they're, they're in diapers and you know how it is. Some of you are living it right now. You get to all these family functions around Christmas time. You're exhausted. You've traveled everywhere. You're cleaning up after your kids. You're taking care of them. They're pooping all over the place. You're taking care of that too, Right. Yeah, like I've been there, I know what it's like, and some of you are there right now. And I just remember I was exhausted once. I just plopped down on the couch next to Papaw. I'm like, I'm spent. And he's like, you know, I remember being in your shoes. And, and Papaw and I, we have this in common. We both have three boys. And so Papaw's like, I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like to be young and have three boys and, and trying to work your career and be successful and take care of your family and provide. He goes, I remember when I was in the moment, I thought, man, this is the hardest life could possibly get. This is... This is the worst. He said, but from this vantage point, I'll tell you, that's the best life gets. He said, that, what you think is the hardest time in your life is actually the best time in your life. And I remember just thinking, of, like, like that, was, that was Papaw dropping some wisdom down on me. Like, he's, talk, he, he's speaking from a vantage point that I'm not capable of. How, how unwise would I be to scoff or mock at wisdom from my 97-year-old papaw who has that many years of life experience and raised three boys and was a self-made man and everything else. 
How foolish would I be to ignore that wisdom? How foolish would I be to be just even indifferent to it? Of course, I want to take it to heart. He's trying to slow me down and get me to appreciate life and, 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 and get, to, get to a place in my mind in which I, I value what I have even more than I did. That's what, that's what it should be like when your family drops some wisdom on you. Be ready to think about it. Be, be, be ready to change your mind because they're telling you something to make your life better. You know, I, I think that's why God gives us these proverbs in the context of a father giving wisdom to his son so that we'll increase the value that we place on it. This is a meaningful moment. And ultimately, this is our heavenly father transferring his wisdom to us. When we're reading proverbs, this is our heavenly father saying, listen to me. I want what's best for you more than you do. Listen to me. I want you to realize more than you realize. Listen to me. I want you to understand more than you understand. I want you to see what you can't see, what you're not capable of seeing apart from my wisdom that I am given, that I'm giving to you. That's the kind of posture we should be in when we head into this book of the Bible. Well, that, that call to wisdom that we've been studying in this first chapter, that call's going to intensify. We are getting to a portion of the first chapter in which this, the amp is now turned up to 11. The, the call is getting really clear and really loud. We, we just heard in the previous paragraph, hey, this is how the world works. People are going to try to talk you into sinning, and it's not going to take you where you think it's going to take you. And now he's, he's speaking from, from a new perspective, a different voice is going to be heard today as this call and this plea to wisdom intensifies. Let's, let's just take the first three verses, verses 20 through 23. This is the call of wisdom. Verse 20 says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So this is a new voice here in Proverbs chapter 1. And right now what Solomon is doing is he's talking about this wisdom that he's trying to transfer to his son. And he's talking about this wisdom as if it is a person. He has personified his wisdom that he is transferring to his son. So he refers to his wisdom as her. If you're reading commentary about the book of Proverbs, you'll hear theologians refer to lady wisdom because he has, he has personified this wisdom to a person and it is a woman. And that makes sense that it's a woman because when you study the language in Hebrew, you know, you have feminine and masculine nouns, you know, sometimes when you study other languages and things like that, well, in, in Hebrew, this is in the feminine. And so wisdom is in the feminine. And so it makes sense that this would be lady wisdom. And so, again, you remember in the previous paragraph, that tempter's voice, sinners will try to entice you to sin. And, and, the, and then he, he talks as if he is that sinner. Hey, let's go plunder someone. Let's go take, them, take their life and take their stuff, and, and we'll share all the goods. That's what the sinner says to him. And now Lady Wisdom is screaming 
from the rooftops, right? She's, she's crying aloud in the streets and the marketplaces where everybody is at. She's crying aloud. She's, her voice comes onto the scene as if to intervene. Don't go with that guy. Don't listen to the sinners who will entice you to sin. You do not want to go that way. She's raising her voice. She's crying aloud. And where does she do it from? The markets, the head of the noisy streets, at the entrance of the city gates. She's going where the people are. This is, this is saying Lady Wisdom is not concealing her wisdom from people. Lady Wisdom is making her wisdom known. She's making sure everyone pays attention. Listen to Lady Wisdom. She's trying desperately to intervene. This is an urgent outcry. And she calls out three people specifically. There are three types of people that she especially wants to get their attention. The simple, the fool, and the scoffer. So I think, I think this morning as we consider this passage, and as we think about the simple, and we think about the fools and the scoffers, it's an opportunity for us to examine ourselves. Right? It's always an opportunity for us to examine ourselves. Is there a fool in us? Is there a scoffer in there? Is there a simple-minded person in there? Now, when we think about simple, we think low IQ. That's not what they're going for here in this language. What they're going for here is inexperienced. Simple as in naive, maybe gullible, undercommitted. A simple person is the one who, they're not against wisdom, they're just kind of indifferent to it. They just haven't thought about it enough. Well, if there's that part of you inside your head this morning, Lady Wisdom is calling aloud to you, it's decision time. Be responsive to this call. Lady Wisdom is calling out the fool, that is the stubborn, the thick-headed, the hard-hearted. They're not indecisive. The fool in us has decided not to listen, actively decided not to listen to the wisdom of God. And so this passage is calling out to that part of us, pleading to us, saying, it's time to change your mind, to turn back. Don't hate this knowledge. This is for your good. And then the scoffer, the mocker maybe in your translation, the know-it-all, the part of you that may listen to the wisdom of God and actively sneer at it, the part of you that's overconfident, aggressive, calculated. When the scoffer in us hears the wisdom of God, we're ready to shout back. Lady Wisdom is pleading with you today. You are going the wrong way. So she is shouting at the street corner, calling out the simple and the fool and the scoffer. And she's saying to them, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. That word turn, that's such an important concept in the Old Testament and New Testament. That word is where we, where we get the concept of repentance. Turn around. You're going this way, stop. Turn around and actively go that way. Turn back. Lady Wisdom is, is calling for repentance. You know, I think one of the hardest things to do in this world is to change your mind about something. Once you've made your mind up and committed to one way of thinking, it's really hard to change your mind, right? It's really hard, especially if you've been the simple person, especially if you've been the fool, or the, especially if you've been the mocker. 
If you've been the mocker, to change your mind and to accept that which you mocked, that is hard to do. That is really, really hard to do. It means admitting you're wrong. It means being teachable. It means being open to correction. It means you have to listen. Well, this offer is being made to the simple, to the fool, to the scoffer. Wisdom is saying, I will pour out my spirit on you. You mock me. You disagree with me. You're indifferent to me. I am offering you something anyway. God isn't calling on perfect people. I think this is a moment in which we need to realize we have all fallen short. God is not looking for, for the best. He's not looking for the perfect. He's looking for those who are willing to change their mind. And hearing this call to repentance is exactly what we need in order to start doing that. God is calling on us to be teachable. He's calling on us to humble ourselves and to receive this instruction. I, I, I feel like it's important to to make this distinction every week when we're in Proverbs. Like, we're not going here to see if there's anything good. We're not going here to examine the wisdom in the sense of seeing how valuable it is or if it's good enough or if it's wiser than we are. We're going here to be measured, not to do the measuring, as I mentioned last week. So maybe it's a good question to ponder as we continue here. Uh, am I indifferent? to God's call to wisdom and his gospel? Am I rejecting him? Am I mocking him? Have I? And then will I humble myself before him? Well, God's promise says that if you do turn, he will pour out his spirit of wisdom on you and make it known to you. Well, as I mentioned, the call to wisdom intensifies, right? It's, it's gotten loud and it's about to get louder. What if you don't turn to wisdom? What if, you do, what, what if you do remain indifferent? What, what if you do actively reject the wisdom of God and make those bad decisions anyway? Will God keep you from the consequences of your actions? No. <laughs> will, will he allow you to mock him continuously and do whatever you want and not have to pay the consequences? Nope. 24 through 32, check this out. Here's what Lady Wisdom says. Here's the warning. She says, because I have called you and you refuse to listen, and I, I, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by the turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Well, that's not nice. When you read that, and you, you read about Lady Wisdom warning those who would reject her wisdom, she has this big I told you so moment. I will say I told you so. You're not supposed to say I told you so. 
But that's exactly what wisdom, Lady Wisdom does. Like, these warnings, though, sometimes when we read warnings in Scripture, we get the wrong idea. We, you know, in our cultural mindset, we think sometimes warnings are rude. I know when we studied over the book of Hebrews throughout the pandemic, if you were turning, tuning into uh, the YouTube channel, Hebrews has so many really, really in-your-face, blunt warnings. And we studied several of those as we went through the book of Hebrews. And those warnings are to keep you from harm. They are gracious. They are kind. They're, they're to prevent calamity. They're to stop the terror from happening. And so when someone puts a sign up in their yard that says, beware of dog, they are not oppressing you. They're just letting you know a dog's there. And depending on the situation, that's really valuable information, right? When someone puts up a sign that says, beware of deer or deer crossing, they're not being mean. They're trying to make you aware there's the danger of deer around, right? I've hit multiple deer in a car. I hit a deer with a car before I even had my driver's license. <laughs> it happens all the time. So what about the laughing, though? When you read that, you're like, okay, well, I get it. You know, those warnings are for our good, but Lady Wisdom's going to actively, like, laugh? Laugh and mock? Is that appropriate? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the documentary. I, you guys know I'm a documentary junkie. It doesn't matter how good or bad the documentary is. I just watch it. I just take it all in, you know. Sometimes documentaries are just complete garbage. On Netflix, sometimes they're really good, but like, I just watch them. I'm just fascinated by documentaries and stuff a lot of times. And Amanda goes to sleep way before I do, and so I'm there watching a documentary by myself. But uh, there's one called Grizzly Grizzly Man. Have you ever seen Grizzly Man? It's the guy who spends 13 summers filming himself in Alaska, uh, living with grizzly bears, and he wants to prove grizzly bears aren't mean. And you can live with them and hang out with them and get close to them. So it starts out just him filming grizzly bears, like, wow, grizzly bears. And then, like, every summer that goes by, he gets a little braver or dumber, depending on how you look at this, right? I want to get closer to the bear. Like, we literally have a saying that says, don't poke the bear. And he just can't help it. i got to poke that bear. And he gets closer every year. And then pretty soon, you know, he's, like in the, he's within, like, 30 yards of them. And then years go by, and he's like 10 yards from them. And then he's like eating berries in the bush next to him, like waving at the camera and like trying to impress us. I mean, like, you know where this is headed in the documentary. Immediately, like, you're like, I know how this is going to end, right? I mean, I even saw a poll. Someone shared, I think, I think, I think it was you, Stephen. You shared a poll that said uh, it was a poll of men. 8% of men who took this poll think that they can beat a lion in a fist fight. <laughs> that's too high 8% is too high but like we, we just have this part of our brains that we're just we just got to be dumb sometimes and, I, and, and that part of that dude's brain was just firing <laughs> like, he's getting closer to the bear closer to the bear closer to the bear and, and the closer he gets to the bear in this documentary like you're like man this guy's nuts but you can't help but almost like root for the bear right like the closer he gets to the bear you're like just do it do it Get him, get him. You just, like, he's asking for it, and so you just want, you're starting to want this to happen. It's terrible. And at the end of the documentary, they come back, you know, they fly into one of these islands or, or helicopter or whatever to, in Alaska, and, and literally from the plane, they look down and they see a pile of bones. 
That's how, how it ends. They see this guy. He was eaten alive by grizzly bears. And as you're presented this information, you can't help but giggle a little bit. It, it's tragic. It's terrible. Like, you feel bad. Like, oh, no, this guy died. But we saw that coming like a mile away, right? Don't poke the bear, man. You poke the bear. I, I think this is the sense in which Lady Wisdom is, is laughing at the calamity of people who don't take her wisdom. She tried to warn him. Don't poke the bear is common sense, right? She tried to warn him. She cried from the streets. And if you reject Lady Wisdom, when that moment of calamity comes, he rejected the wisdom of God. That's the posture I think Lady Wisdom is speaking in here. And so, I mean, I mean, I, that guy that poked the bear, at the moment in which the bear's like chewing on his leg and he's sitting there like, well, is, uh, like he doesn't get to say, time out, time out. I, you know what? This was, don't poke the bear's right. I quit. I, I'm going to go head back. You go that way. I'll go this way. You don't get to say that at that point. You've ignored common sense wisdom. You've ignored it. It's too late at that point. And so Lady Wisdom is just telling, you, telling us, if you reject my wisdom, you will learn this lesson. You will learn this. You will, you will agree that this is true sooner or later. You can learn the hard way or the easy way. But if you learn the hard way, you're going to learn the hard way. They will call upon me, she says, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Did you know the verse that really stuck out to me, though, is verse 31. It says, therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. You know, sometimes I think, I think a lot of times, the wrath of God comes in the form of giving us whatever it is that we want so badly. You want to go down the wrong path, you want to ignore the wisdom of God, you want to deny his counsel, and you insist on going in the wrong direction, sometimes the wrath of God comes in the form of giving you exactly what you want. I'm going to give you your fill. Here's all the fruit of your labor. Eat it all. That's the wrath of God. Giving them exactly what they want. If we insist on being the fool, that's the fruit that we're going to eat. But you don't have to learn the hard way. Verse 33, listen to the last, last verse of Proverbs chapter 1. Lady Wisdom concludes her call to wisdom by saying, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. She is for our good. These warnings are an act of compassion. They're an act of protection. And so in, Pro in the book of Proverbs, what we see is that the wisdom of God is symbolically personified as, as this lady calling out to Solomon's son and, and saying, heed these warnings and you'll be secure in the holiness of God. When we get to the New Testament, when we get to the New Testament, what we see is New Testament writers like Paul in 1 Corinthians, right out of the gate in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, he refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God. So in the Old Testament, wisdom is personified. As lady wisdom in the New Testament, we see wisdom incarnate. The wisdom of God in the flesh. And of course, he, just like Lady Wisdom in Proverbs, he cries aloud. 
He calls people to listen to the message of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near. He would go to the busy places. He would go to where all the people were to make his wisdom known. He preached the gospel. He taught about man's redemption and salvation. And he warned those who would not heed the warning. He warned them there will be consequences because that's the gracious thing to do. If you don't listen to me, if you don't understand the wisdom of God and his gospel, it will not go good. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, I bet you've read this a million times. Jesus warns the crowds there saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, Heed these words of mine, and the storm won't come. No, he said the storm is coming. The wrath of God is inevitable. He's saying, if you build your life, if you receive my instruction, when those rains and floods and winds come, you will have a foundation on the rock. When the judgment of God appears in its fullest form, those who heed the warnings of the gospel will have a foundation on the wisdom of God. They heard it, they believed it, and they repented. Now, when some hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, right, some hear it and they're just indifferent to it. Some hear it and they just reject it. Some hear it and they actively mock it. Which one are you? It's interesting, though, in, in 1 Corinthians, in the first chapter, when he refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God, that's not the only thing he refers to Jesus as in that context. Jesus became to us wisdom from God, but then he continues, also righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's why, that's why we go to that communion, right? The righteousness of God, we take that bread to remember the righteousness of Christ. We're not perfect He's not calling us because we're perfect. He's calling us to repent and live a life of holiness because he is holy. And he sent his son to live for us. And when we have faith in Jesus, his righteousness is imputed to us. I am righteous before God, not because of my works, but because of the works of Christ alone. He is our holiness, our righteousness. He's also our sanctification. My sins were punished, will be punished. Right? But they're all punished on the cross. Jesus took the punishment for all of my sin. That's why we take the juice. He is our sanctification, our atonement. He is our redemption. And so I want to encourage you today, don't be indifferent to the gospel of Jesus. Preaching the gospel is preaching a warning. It's preaching the wrath of God. And if we want to be secure in the wisdom of God, it's through making a decision, believing and repenting. Don't be indifferent to it. Don't reject it. Don't mock it. 
receive it, be nourished by it today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your gospel. We thank you that you sent your son, wisdom incarnate, to redeem us. We could not redeem ourselves. Where we are born under the curse of sin, everybody knows they're imperfect, even those who don't believe, Lord, to err as human, they'd say. We all know we have fallen short in many ways, Lord, but you have redeemed us. You are our righteousness. You are our sanctification. You are our redemption. Lord, help us to, to proclaim this truth wisely. Help us to go to where the people are, where we live, that they would know the gospel. Help us to live in such a way that they would be attracted to this message, that they would feel invited, that they would, that they would feel uh, as though they, they have heard it, have heard the call. Help us to be those who, who deliver that, Lord, by your grace. Lord, I pray for that, uh, for, for those which are indifferent today. I pray for those who have rejected your gospel today, Lord. And I pray for those who actively mock the gospel, Lord. I'm sure we have all three of those people here, Lord, and there's probably all three inside of each and every one of us. Lord, I, I pray that wherever people are at today that they would keep coming to hear this call of wisdom and that it would all go to your glory and your glory alone. Lord, use us to advance your kingdom where we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.